Welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello everyone, I'm Jack Ricks, Top Gear magazine's editor, joined by Ollie Q, Ollie Marriage and Roan Horncastle in the studio today for something exciting, something brand new, a new series of slightly smaller bonus pods that we're going to throw in between the longer issue pods where we pull some of the most interesting, exciting stories from the Top Gear archive because, let's face it, It's quite a big archive. Top Gear magazine's been going for nearly 30 years now. So there's some corking stories um, that we've we've all been a part of and we want to just bring those back to life. So we're going to call this series That Time We dot 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 and kick off with Ollie Marriage, who's got a story about that time we went searching for dinosaur fossils in an infinity. Yes. Should we, just, yeah. <laughs> Should just we discuss a, just the infinity Tuesday, thing first? Normal, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. What's an infinity, What's an infinity? <laughs> There's a whole generation of people out there is, going, the, is this where we use the phrase posh Nissan and yes, upset? Yes, the Top Gear catchphrase <laughs> for an infinity. <laughs> Sorry, Nissan. See also posh Toyota, posh Hyundai, etc. So, yeah, um, infinity, um, Japanese car brand, um, biggest in America, I suppose. Um, and they've done basically... A, Badge, a bunch of recreated uh, Nissans and things. So we we used this was this was a story we went out to Mongolia for, which is quite a long way to go. And we drove a QX80 for this, which is a it's a basically it's a Nissan Patrol that's poshed up and pretty ideal for what we needed it for. Don't get it in the UK, do we? No, we never no, got it in the UK. Big. In fact, we don't get Infinities in the UK at all anymore. We did. We for, did. For, for a brief moment, they didn't. They sold about yeah. twelve and then retreated. <laughs> Occasionally, you see one. It's amazing. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't see them. But do rarer you remember... than dinosaur fossils. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do you remember the Infinity FX fifty, the Sebastian Vettel edition Infinity? Oh, that was the the big SUV. Yeah, with, with the carbon fiber wing on it. It was outrageously expensive. But when it was Infinity, were tied to Red Bull. I do. Yeah, I do. that was the way that yeah. Vettel got to celebrate being a four time world champion with a disappointing SUV. Not that's, much of a legacy, is That's it? one for your uh, top nine worst uh, motorsport endorsements. Absolutely, that's got me yeah. down there with the Fiat uh, Have you not done that? Record. That one must have been done before. <laughs> it must be time to uh, blow the dust off it and update it. I think probably a few more coming. But just to clarify on this, so you didn't drive an Infinity to Mongolia? No, no, no. I caught some planes, some planes, because I had to fly to Beijing, then then to Ulaanbaatar, and then to the Gobi Desert. Blimey, that was going to ask a succession of smaller planes. But this, the, the, the interesting thing is how this story came about, because you hear about um, people doing hookups, you know, you know, BMW sport, you know, sponsors golf or whatever, all these things that go on. This wasn't that at all. This was completely separate. So... Infinity don't sponsor the Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it'd be quite. It might be something they wanted to look at in future. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, what happened is that their Infinity CEO at the time was a guy called Roland Kruger, who was this. Um, he was just one of those sickening individuals who not only was the CEO of an international car company, but had um, s- uh, sledged solo to the South Pole. You know, pulled a sledge by himself to the what, South Pole at the weekend. Yeah, basically something he did on a hobby. Just one of those sickening individuals. So um, anyway, so as part of that, that had made him a member of something called the Explorers Club, 
which and so he used to he used to be able, he'd get, he'd go and give talks to there and to you know discuss things and he he so he put him in a different world and when he was at one of the explorers club meetings he heard about this project which was to try and use technology to investigate um to find dinosaur fossils in mongolia because mongolia is massive but it doesn't have very much resource but they also have some of the he- heaviest fossil deposit deposits on the planet of old dinosaur bones and everything. But it's where you, how you find them and where you find them. So basically, he said, I'm interested in this. I will help sponsor it. And then I was talking to him at a motor show. And this came up in conversation and sort of, you know, feature ears pricked up and went, ooh, this sounds, this sounds like something we might need to get involved in. He said, that is music to my ears because what I need to be able to help me justify it internally is some coverage and some media exposure. So I said, right, okay, we'll make this happen. I will come... Selflessly of me, oh. I will come to Mongolia. I'll pop and, out. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Two yeah, one for yeah, the team yeah. there, Ronnie. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the the car was part of the feature, but it was it was a very small part of the feature. And I think sometimes this is what features can be really powerful at is actually telling you something about which you had no other knowledge that's completely outside an automotive realm, but hopefully tells an interesting story. So the story in this instance is about dinosaur bones buried in the Mongolian desert. And Mongolia has had problems because there are so, there, there are so few paleontologists in Mongolia. In fact, there are three <laughs> authorised paleontologists. Well, four when you were One is, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Highly expert. I'll come on to talk about that. Um, but yeah, one is the head of department at the National Department. Um, one is semi-retired. And there's this other guy, Badma Zorigt, who I went and spent some days with out there who's an absolutely amazing chap. So, yeah, so we went out, to flew out, so we had to fly to, yeah, to Beijing, then to Ulaanbaatar, and then get on a tiny aeroplane with a whole load of kit, fossil hunting kit, and fly down into the Gobi Desert. And you literally land at the last piece of, piece of tarmac for 300 miles in any direction, and then you, you are off driving, because there's no roads, there's no nothing, you are just driving through a desert. So, but with us was a guy called Drew Wedderborn, and he worked for a company called Quantum Spatial, who were taking drones with GoPros. So you you were looking at what you thought was a standard drone, DJI drone with a GoPro on the bottom of it. But what they'd done is they'd changed the light, the sensor in the GoPros, so it could look at. Oh, it's all quite complicated now. We need Paul Horrell on for this. Really, it would look at different wavelengths of light, and from that it would be able to tell what the the ground structure was, and then if there's if you're more likely to find fossils in that sort of earth. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So we're told that the future is we're all going to have our shopping delivered by drones, mm. but it turns out that the future is that drones are going to scour the skies looking for dinosaurs. Looking for dinosaurs. Oh, that's a yeah, much, yeah. much cooler use than just getting <laughs> your next charging cable a bit early. Yeah, yeah. So, but the, so the, the idea is that you fly your drone over these patches because... All the mapping in Mongolia is Soviet era. So it's a, at this scale where I think it was one pixel is 15 metres. So there's no detail on these maps at all. And so they were flying the drone over and now suddenly one pixel was 10 centimetres. They're flying it at like 250 millimetres of altitude. And it was so you get much better resolution and you'd get this idea of what the ground structure and the, the earth makeup was fly it over, and then they can basically take the data from that and put it over the whole of Mongolia and go, right, if the Earth's like that here, it will be like that here, and they've, so they can build up a picture of where it's worth digging for fossils because Mongolia's had a problem in people sort of less than honestly coming into the country and smuggling fossils out. 
So there's bit. I think there was a case in I can't remember. Some someone had smuggled a. I think it, I can't remember what it was an ichthyosaur skeleton or something out, and it was suddenly auctioned for forty million dollars or something in New York. That and, must have looked mad and, coming around the carousel. Yeah, 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 wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Ollie, please Ollie, tell me you took something with you. He's got a T-Rex head in his briefcase. So yeah, cut a long story short, we went out, joined up with Badma, and spent days fossil hunting, and it's it's amazingly detailed. You you. You you very quickly realise that what you look at that you think is really interesting on the floor is of no interest whatsoever. And getting your eye in, they were saying it takes about five days. And the rule of thumb is if you lick your finger and touch it to something and it's slightly sticky, that's likely to be that could be a fossil. But if it's not, then <laughs> don't try this at home, kids. Don't try this, don't try this at home. Yeah. But also, you said that you brought a lot of fossil hun- fossil hunting kit with you. What is fossil hunting? Like well, a rod dro- and a net? I don't know what you need. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, imagining brushes. Paint brushes. Paint brushes. Paint brushes and tiny little trowels and scrapers and things. But you also had some some other vital vital kit with you. Um, just re- refreshing myself on the pictures here. <laughs> um, several toy dinosaurs. Uh, which yes. lived on the dash and an inflatable dinosaur as well. Y- yes, I took an inflatable. <laughs> remember last, I think Chris Harris then used one on the TV show and was chased around a golf course. Um, <laughs> the uh, professional one. paleontologist must have loved you. <laughs> he thought it was brilliant. up in your T-Rex cosplay. <laughs> going, Let's slightly, find skeletons. I was slightly embarrassed to go, I'm just going to do this. It it's, the like, unwritten, oh, it's the unwritten rule of Top Gear, uh, of Top Gear feature writing. If there is a prop, an opportunity mm. for a prop, it has to Take be it. used. Mm. Yeah, Take yeah. it. It has to be used. Now, it mm. may not make the final layout, mm. but, you know, we like to have that option yeah, yeah. of, of So Rich, Richard Pardon, who was taking the pictures when I did that, so I drove the Infinity. I could not see a thing across a fairly open bit of, a bit of desert with the head entirely out of the sunroof. <laughs> and Richard Pardon, who was taking the picture, said he could barely take a picture for laughing because <laughs> this head was sort of billowing in the wind behind. <laughs> Can I just clear up a quick conspiracy theory? Mm. There's no suggestion here that they found a really kind of rich seam of fossils and thought, ah, perfect, we've got we'll that get, top gear yeah, yeah, yeah. coming. We'll send yeah. him there. You were literally just in the wilderness, the middle yeah, of nowhere, yeah. so hoping for, to see what you found. So I think we were out there for three days, and for the first two days, we found pretty much nothing. And then I think we found, I think it was Ankylosaurus or something. Suddenly, so you'll be looking in somewhere where they say, right, we, we, the, the data says we should find something here, and you'll go around, and you and I get excited and go, oh, what's that? And they go, that's striated earth. Or, sticky finger. <laughs> yeah, sticky <laughs> finger. Sticky, sticky. You need, yeah. do you know, you need my three-year-old son for this. He knows all the names of the dinosaurs. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Probably good at poking his fingers in sticky stuff as well. (laughs) (laughs) Poking his sticky fingers in stuff. But anyway, we'll move on. Yeah, so um, so we went out and we spent a lot of time getting absolutely nowhere. But then they said, but they said, we'll we'll take you somewhere where you can actually see something because obviously we want to get some sort of shot of something. And it's amazing. So the, because of the, 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 the earth's quite soft, so it gets eroded very easily by the rains, which actually covers up some some fossils but also uncovers other ones and so they took me somewhere and we went we they said right you need to walk about 400 meters from here but if you just go around the back of there you'll see what we mean and yeah poking out of the earth was an entire protoceratops skull it was just it was astonishing it was literally poking up out of the out of the earth and it was very recognizable as the skull of something of something very ancient Mm -hmm. 
And so he says, oh, that's amazing. Don't you want to dig it out? And they went, no, no, they're basically a Cretaceous sheep. You don't, they, they were everywhere. <laughs> oh, so that's we're a not common dinosaur. About. That's a common dinosaur. We're not that's fussed a pigeon, about those. basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But we went somewhere called, uh, so on day three, where they, because they did have sort of one piece of work they actually needed the car to do properly, which is they had found a fossil about two weeks earlier that they needed to take back. Because if, they, if they're really good fossils and they do want to get them out, they then take them back to the paleontology department in Ulaanbaatar, which is about a 380-mile drive or something, to properly excavate them and find out what's going on. And they'd found one um, at this place called the Flaming Cliffs. And they weren't sure exactly what it what it was, but they you know they studied it and they thought it was two baby velociraptors, in so it, yeah buried in the in the soil. So there might have been babies in a nest or something that looked like they yeah obviously died in the nest. So we had to go and dig this fossil out of the ground, and obviously you just think, oh my god, this thing's I don't know have them two hundred and fifty million years old or something, and you've got to get it out in one piece because the amount of stories of getting these things out and they break obviously or whatever. So we, um, yeah, so you have to cover it in, you, first of all, you excavate as much, you know, around a big area of it. So it's like a, a metre round. And then you have to cover it in, um, it's like plaster of Paris and bandages and things. You sort of, to give it a sort of structure around it. And then you very gradually have to sort of fold them underneath and lift it and dig it out. And then put it in the back of a car and drive it back to Ulan Surely they didn't let you do that. They did. <laughs> They did, and then they realised that I was the most likely to get carried away when presented with the Gobi Desert and an ability to drive fast in any yeah, yeah. direction. Yeah. So I got taken out of the car carrying the fossil and put back in the one. Which where car we could... was carrying? What type of car was carrying the fossil? It was a QX80. It was oh, another same, in... yeah. same again. Yeah, so we had same two QX80s. Um, that's, where... a good, that's a good for like, ride. For, yeah, yeah, for the review, a ride, but exactly. also boot space. Fine for two baby velociraptors, <laughs> yeah, no problem. Exactly. Well, I was thinking um, 2CV, obviously, famously, it had to cradle Very a pliant. basket of eggs uh, across yeah, yeah. a ploughed field. Mm. You know, an alternative test: Can you cradle a fossil 380 miles across the Gobi Desert without what a tagline yeah. as well? You know, rear seat suitable for ages, zort noughts to 250 million years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's versatility for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what, what was Mongolia like as a place, but also to drive in? It was it was amazing. Ulaanbaatar is based. I think fifty percent of the population live in Ulaanbaatar. So Ulaanbaatar is a nightmare for driving. It's completely. It's just carnage. Hundreds and thousands. Of, like every other car is a Prius. So there's there's loads of loads of Priuses, but it's like chaos. London, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same as like Lion, but less organised. <laughs> And then outside of it, there is nothing. And so it's very mountainous in the north and the west, but the, the, a lot of the Gobi Desert is very high plateau. And it's, it's just it's huge. You just look for hundreds of miles in every direction and you, can bear, you sort of might see an outline of mountains on the furthest horizon. But it's green. So obviously it depends on the time of year and we were there when it was green. But the green, when I first got out of the car, when we just stopped in the middle of nowhere, because the only way to do directions out there is GPS coordinates. So you literally get given a GPS coordinate and you drive to it and you basically get a beep and an arrow on a screen and you go just drive wherever you can to get that direction. I said to them, how did, how did you used to navigate out here? And they just they start making funny things about being very, very clever and attuned to the environment. But I had no idea how it used to happen. Anyway, the first time we stopped... Um, I got out of the car and I could smell onions. And I said, what is that smell? And so it's, it's like you're on a grassy plain, but the grass is made of chives. 
So all the little chives that we cut up and put on our food, that if, if chives suddenly become a rare commodity elsewhere, <laughs> my God, Mongolia is going to clean up because it, there are, it's the entire desert is made of chives. If someone finds so, out that chives can power electric cars, that would be like yeah. Dubai. It'll just yes. be skyscrapers everywhere. Yeah. Fracking for chives. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, given, given the um, how scarce it was out there, I'm sure the hotels were pretty good where you were staying while collecting <laughs> star, dinosaurs. It? Yeah. Oh, it's five star all the way. Yeah, we did spend one night in a, a built teepee. Um, not a teepee, what I, do, I can't remember what they called them out there. Yurt. But they're not called yurts out there, obviously, because that's a westernised name. I cannot remember. But the, uh, actually, when we, were, when we were out doing the sort of main part of the fossil hunting, where we were just in tents. So you would literally find get to somewhere you thought, no, this is where we want to be for tomorrow morning. And you'd just throw up some tents and camp but we when we did the it was so stunning that the sky at night was so stunning i was like i'm not even sleeping in a tent i want to sleep outside and so me and badma the uh, paleontologist slept outside but everyone else went no you don't want to do that you don't want to do that. and i was like oh is it dinosaurs what is it, is it snakes what, what's the problem <laughs> yeah. and uh, the problem is dew so the dew is really heavy in the gobi desert at night you get sometimes get mists come across and things and so you wake up in the morning and your blankets and sleeping bag are just weighed down when so you can barely move. But it was just, the, you know, the, as you can imagine, the night sky in the Gobi Desert when there is nothing for hundreds and hundreds of miles around is amazing. Absolutely incredible. Did the infinity fit in? Well, it fitted in. Not many other people out in the Gobi Desert drive infinities. Um, but because you drive, travel through it, London, people don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's nothing there, nothing unusual there. But um, it as a, as a vehicle, so it's a it's a, basically the same type of vehicle that most other they either drive Japanese pickups or they drive those Russian vans. I think they're the Zil vans or something. There's a lot of those left over because it's all from the Soviet occupation. There was a lot. Of, there's a lot of that left over. Um, but and yeah, they're they're all and then there's mostly motorbikes actually. Most of them char- charge around the desert on motorbikes. But you know, if you see two other people in a day, you've seen a lot of people. It's there's just it's empty. Rush hour, rush hour. All I about know about Mongolia is they have a sport where they um, it's all done on horseback. It's like polo, but they lob a uh, goat carcass into a goal. That's all I know about it. <laughs> what's, that, what's that called? I don't know. Goat hockey. <laughs> Golo. Golo. Kidditch. All I know about Mongolia is... Hey, nice one, Ollie. Thank you. <laughs> People always talk about outer Mongolia being, you know, the, the yeah, most, yeah. Um, you know, remote places yeah, yeah. on the planet. Is mm. outer Mongolia basically anywhere that's not Ulaanbaatar? Outer Mongolia, I think it works. Inner Mongolia is part of China. Yeah. So you've got... So Mongolia is sandwiched, completely landlocked between China and Russia. And Inner Mongolia, I believe, is part of China, whereas Outer Mongolia is its own country. I think that's right. But it's, I mean, you are a long, long way from anywhere because it's a long flight to Beijing. There's a long flight from there to Ulaanbaatar. And then it was a, you know, another two hours or so in a tiny plane down into to land. I mean, how he found, I assume it's just GPS coordinates, how you find a find an airstrip in the middle of nowhere. It's, um, yeah. Well, the whole thing's your airstrip, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? If you, if you it don't mind squashing is. a few chives on landing, I mean, yeah. you're fine. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> and were you at all tempted at any point to ask if, as we've seen in Hollywood, if you get some dinosaur that's in some amber 
or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had a... Can I, you extract some DNA and put it in a special computer and type very fast and all of a sudden a T-Rex eats a toilet? A T-Rex purges. So we had this because one of the other things I wanted to... I said, I have downloaded Jurassic Park onto my iPad and I will watch it in the Gobi Desert at night. So we took a picture of doing that. At which point, Badma wanders over and goes, oh, you're watching Jurassic Park. And then comprehensively debunked everything about it. And oh, said, this doesn't work, that joy. doesn't work. But I imagine yeah, that's yeah. like, that would be like if the paleontologist sat down next to you and started watching a Fast and Furious car chase. Yeah, 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 and you start going, no, you don't change gear like that. What are you talking about? It's just, yeah, of course it's guaranteed. Exactly. Watch you're carefully, yeah, yeah. he's mm. technically shifted up into 18th gear there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's found that extra three inches of throttle travel. <laughs> so it turns out that we shouldn't be hoping that with DNA radio mapping we can all have a, a pet velociraptor anytime soon uh, no no but Damn. you know just it's one of those things you, any when you speak to when you you'll spend some time with people who know so much about their subject it's just inherently interesting and i wouldn't have counted myself a particular fossil enthusiast or anything but i came out of that thinking oh my god this is so interesting well a naturally inquisitive human being i <laughs> think that's fantastic and look this new series is already paying off i learned so much more about that feature there than, uh, than than I knew already in the first place. And it is possible to read on topgear.com. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it yeah. Lives. Thanks to the internet, these things live forever, even if you miss the mag first yeah, time yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Unsurprisingly, if you type in, well, actually, no, if you type in infinity and dinosaur, probably quite a lot can come up. But uh, yeah, if you type in <laughs> top, top Gear searching for dinosaur fossils in an infinity, yeah. uh, it will. It yeah, will so it was, over, it was four year, 28th of October 2018 that went up online. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the sort of feature you'll read absolutely nowhere else. And I'd have to say, we tried to make a film with it. I tried to shoot it myself on a... But um, the Chinese authorities took a dim view of the lithium-ion batteries I had left in my hold luggage and nicked everything. So there was no... there. Were, I think I had one battery and it... Uh, it so it wasn't. On. it's easier to smuggle 250-million-year-old dinosaur out of Mongolia <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. than it than is to smuggle a lithium-ion battery. battery in. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Top tip there. If you're travelling to <laughs> Outer Mongolia on your next holiday, and the QX80, should we wrap up on that? Thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, should actually, it have lasted longer. Um, it, it was never a car that would have worked in the UK, I don't think. But they sold them in America. I mean, I think I drove one in America actually, and it's, it's just a cracking great big SUV. And it was, it had a, this one had a 5.7 litre V8 in it, I think, and just or 4.7. It just munched, munched across and it had you know, it was pretty comfortable and the Gobi Desert was big enough playground for it. Ironically, gargling away on dinosaur juice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, I always liked the QX80. It looked like they had a, uh, um, a, a is it a dugong? Those weird yeah. my, my daughter's school, each class is named after an, an animal and she's in dugong class. I have no idea what a dugong is. I, it looks I'm like an Infinity QX80. Honestly, <laughs> they look exactly the same when they're in white. So, uh, yeah, but uh, if if you are an owner of an Infinity Sebastian Vettel edition, by the way, please let us know because oh, we want to yeah. know who bought one. Yes, um, yeah, who you are, the one person who did <laughs> Sebastian I Vettel. I think even yeah. Sebastian Vettel managed to get rid of his, <laughs> you know, on eBay. Fantastic! What a story! Yeah, what a thanks, story. Ollie. Yeah. Thanks, Ollie. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe. <laughs>